Welcome to this BJSM podcast and you'll be listening to Professor Graham Smith and he's the chairman of the Society of Sports Therapists and it's a great pleasure to have Graham on the line today. Welcome Graham. Karen, thanks. Good to speak to you. And Graham's had a strong football background. He's from Glasgow. He's a proud Glaswegian. He's a physiotherapist by profession and set up the sports therapist in 1990, and that's what we're going to focus on today. So, Graham, what was the motivation for setting up a new profession? Um, the society was set up, in, as you say, in 1990. Um, at the t- in the few years Prior to that, I was working for the Football Association, and part of my job was basically looking at medical provision in, in football and soccer at that time. Um, and in the mid-80s, anybody could call themselves a physiotherapist. You didn't need to have any qualifications to work in football. Um, and it was really quite a concern on who was looking after the players. So part of my job was to basically look at that and, and develop courses to help um, train and educate people to, to, to really to look after people safely and effectively. Um, and at that time, the, the physiotherapists had their own organisation, the doctors had their organisation, and there was nothing really for for these guys to go to. So we decided that there was a need to basically put together a professional body for therapists, and primarily it came from a football background. So, so the first 100 members were really from football. We decided to develop a, a degree programme, and that then was the next target to get a university to to have a, a degree that was specifically focused on the sports therapy aspects um, and then to get more recognition and regulation. So sort of in the early 90s, the, the two-pronged attack was to get academic recognition and um, political recognition. And if we talk about the <coughs> academic recognition, what's the core elements of the course right now? The core element is sports and exercise science. Um, no university can run a de- the degree program without a sport and exercise science that's been an integral part of their programs. When we were looking at the, the, the first degree program, um, the, the discussions that I had at a couple of universities were, where do your sports scientists go when they graduate? When they graduate, and the, the concept really was that if you took a sports science graduate and put into put into them. The, the basic rehabilitation, prevention of injuries, trauma, care, um, pathology skills, you would have then something that was significantly required in British sport at that time. So how does that plan translate into the students' year-by-year journey? Um, in the first first year, some of the core parts are obviously going to be the introductions to the basic life sciences, exercise physiology, manual therapy, massage techniques, especially learning how to handle tissues, understanding first aid and trauma care. So embedded throughout the three-year program, it's going to be sports trauma. Embedded through it's going to be manual therapy and manual therapy skills. Um, added to that, then rehabilitation becomes an integral part. Clinical practice or sports therapy practice that in the first year, you would look at them basically being involved in helping to, 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 to be involved with looking after teams and sports organisations within the university, learning first aid, the trauma care. Second year, they're going to start doing more of that and, and then starting to, to learn more of in, in the practical elements and being involved in some of the practical skills. And then in the third year, um, obviously, there's going to be an increase in their their the research elements because they will have to do a, a dissertation because it's a it is a an honours degree that they're doing they have to do clinical placement 
And Graham, tell me about the master's entry. There's also the opportunity for sports science graduates from, from other programs who may have done sports, gone in and done sports science when they left school and then at the end of their degree realise that they're not quite sure where they want to go. Um, those graduates already have, in, in one element, 40% of a sports therapy degree because they've done a sports science programme. So um, in several of the universities, they've now developed the, the Masters in Sports Therapy, which is also, it's a Masters with eligibility for membership. So it gives those students with a sports science degree an opportunity then to go on and do um, a 15 to an 18 month programme, which then takes them up to the, to the level where they have the eligibility to become members of the side of sports therapists and they have a master's. So as with other professions, it's one of the, the programmes where um, those students that come on it that have already done another degree uh, appreciate the opportunity to go and they understand what they have to do as a student. So therefore, they're highly motivated. Um, they're motivated and they're demanding, but they turn out to be excellent sports therapists at the end of the programme. And where are those programmes, Graham? Gloucester. Leeds is another of the programmes. Um, Worcester is also has an accredited programme, which has yet to start. And London Metropolitan University also is, is a popular programme. And Graham, you go around the country visiting all the universities, and what do you see in final year students when you speak to them? <clears throat> um, yeah, what I try to do on, a, on an annual basis is, is to go around and... and and talk to the final year students at each of the universities that the society has collaborative links. Um, and I see that as an important role um, because I think, you know, the students are doing the course, that they're basically they're the future of the profession. Um, and I think when the students don't start panicking until they get to the final year. Um, and I think when they get to the final year, they need somebody to come and say, right, this is what you can do, this is what you can't do. Um, and these are the opportunities. And I think by obviously having somebody, I suppose it's one of the, the key members of the profession coming and talking to them, it basically helps them to focus. And for me, it's good because when you go to see them, it gives me an opportunity to, to get a, a feel of, of, of how the place that they've learned at is, is performing and how they're doing themselves. But what I know is when I face that group, that I suppose in my head I have a rule of thirds. I know that's a third of the group have been excited by what they've done. They've, they've done a degree, they're excited, and they will go off and they will work in the profession and they will be very successful. You then have a third that, that basically have already decided it might not be what they want. Um, and I tend to say to that group, you know, if you've made that decision, then I tend to congratulate them because it, it's very difficult if you do a, You start a course, you don't really know what it is. You don't know whether you want to do it. Then when you're halfway through it, you realise that actually what I thought was attractive isn't. And if I work in sport, I'm going to have to work at weekends and the long hours and, you know, it's going to get muddy. And so some people see it as attractive and then realise that it's not. And I think that happens with a lot of degree programmes. I want to say to them is, you know, don't worry. Use the degree that you've got to open the door to, to other things because it's a, gr it's a great science degree Um but the good thing for us is, of course, they know about sports therapy. So whilst they may not go in and be sports therapists, they know about it and they know what it does. And then, of course, you have that amazing middle third who actually don't know what they want to do. Um, and for them, I say, go away. Go and do other things. Go and travel. Go and, go and work in, go and work on a checkout. Go and do, do something because 
in the next six to nine months, you will know what you want to do. Choosing to do a degree is difficult. I think the one thing for us is that, that we're extremely proud of. Sports therapy is probably one of the most popular sports degrees that go through the university clearance system and the UCAS when students are looking to do degree programs each year. But sometimes sport has an attraction that people don't really understand. It's only when you start to do the courses that you realise what it, what it entails. So I think if there are students out there or potential students that are thinking of doing a sports therapy degree, then go and visit universities, go and see what they have to offer, go and look at the facilities. There are some places you like, some that are not. But, but realise that if you do it, it's a hard degree, it's an exciting degree, and the opportunities for the future are tremendous. But go and enjoy it. And then, Graham, when folks have graduated from sports therapy, where do we find them? I know that at this moment in time that we have 23 members that are working within the, within the Premier League or Championship within, um, within England. We have members that are effectively working in, in, in an NHS environment. We have members that, that's one recent graduate that's basically now working with a, a an international sailing team that's on a, around the, the world yacht race. Um, and he got involved in it by accident. Um, so we have, we have members that, that obviously, um, go off and they, they become self-employed um, and autonomous practitioners themselves. So, so, uh, so a lot of them work on consultancy for two or three smaller clubs and, and may not necessarily work for one club. We have members that, that basically go overseas um, and work in other environments because the, the good thing about being a sports therapist is that it does give you the opportunity to travel as well. Um, if, if you look at it now, 82% of the members were self-employed. So I think what we see is the, there's a diversity of, of areas that, that the members and sports therapists work in, which is probably much broader than we ever thought it was going to be. And it covers a, a wide spectrum from young patients, elderly patients, football clubs, rugby clubs, even lecturing. And it's it's been quite it's surprising to see how many of the graduates now that have been out and working in the, in sort of in, in the profession have now applying to work and as lecturers in universities. Um, and I think that's the way that it will go in a lot of universities in the future. Graham, would you like to share one specific graduate's journey with us? We have one graduate that I can think of who as a as a student uh, i only met him fairly infrequently when we were actually moderating but he now works it's within a within an, an academic institution but not on the academic staff because the 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 college that he works at basically has a sports academy um, and it's a very successful sports academy with with 11 teams that are highly rated and, and very successful in the, the levels that they play He's recently taken the appointment where he's been appointed as, as the head of, of sports medicine and physiotherapy for that academy. Because of the degree itself and what it covers, and as a keen sportsman himself, he was able to basically have an empathy with the environments that he worked at. Plus, when he, when he graduated, he wasn't afraid to go out and do things. And I think that's one of the key, key elements. Those that we see that are successful have gone out and basically carved their way in, into the world. They've, they've volunteered for things. They've knocked on the doors. They've basically, they've done the placements. They've done the, the internships. 
they've 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 shown what they can do and the skills that they can bring. And I think this particular gentleman, I look at him and I'm actually quite quite proud because he, he is extremely highly respected, not just by the people that employ him, but also by the people that work. And it's a multidisciplinary team that work under him. That's great, Graham. And that's a common theme in the different disciplines in medicine, physiotherapy, where you have to make your own career and uh, show that initiative. So consistent in sports therapy. Graham, yeah. as we get towards the end of the podcast, a short story about the role of sports therapists in one of the Premier League or Championship teams. How do they, their role, how does their role fit with the physiotherapist and the doctor, for example? If you look at Football, especially football in the United Kingdom and, and the popularity of it, it's almost like everybody that, that does any sports or health-related course that's interested in sports thinks they want to go and work at Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester United, Liverpool, the big clubs. But the only way that you're going to get there is by, by hard work and people knowing you. Those clubs obviously have big teams, big big medical teams that include doctors, physiotherapists, sports therapists, massage therapists. And I think where the sports therapists have, have, have shown their worth in, in the big club is the fact that they have this, that the, the degree program that they, they go through prepares them at the end of the degree to work in a, in a sport and exercise context. So they, they can be... They can work in, with, alongside the massage therapists. They can work alongside the sports scientists. They can, they can work in the clinical environment and help the physiotherapy staff. They can, be, they can work alongside or they can fulfill the roles of doing the massage, of doing clinical, of doing the rehabilitation. And on the sports science, because of the sports science mm-hmm. being so integral within their degree program, mm-hmm. they can do a lot of the sports science skills. Mm-hmm. So they can fit in alongside and complement the other members of that team. Where they do have a significantly strong um, positive influence is that in the smaller clubs that can't necessarily afford or hasn't got the the resources to employ big teams, that what they they can have with, with with a graduate sports therapist is somebody now who has the ability to do Lots of jobs are very important to the success of that team. So they can do the fitness training. They can do the prevention of injuries. They can do the treatments that, uh, and, and help with the, the clinical skills. Um, they can do the, 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 the trauma and the massage that's necessary. So what you have is you have a multifaceted professional who can basically be a generalist or a specialist. And I think but the most important thing is that, it, that everything they do is basically within that sport and exercise context. They, they are sports therapists, and it is about working in a sport and exercise environment that they're being produced. You said in your introduction about me being a physiotherapist, and I think one of the most important things is that when this was set up 25 years ago, <clears throat> I was a fairly successful physiotherapist. I didn't set up a professional body to basically go in conflict with my own profession because I wouldn't have done that because I'm proud of being a physiotherapist and I'm extremely proud to be the chairman of the Society of Sports Therapists. I set up a professional body to meet the demands of what was required at that time to complement, and it is even more necessary now, to complement and basically protect the people who participate in sport and exercise.
that's why it was set up. Yeah, it's fantastic, Graham. It's great to hear and clearly a massive need. So let's finish by talking about your annual conference that you've organised for 19 years, I believe. Next year in 2016, it's on May the 14th. What have you enjoyed about that conference? What have been some highlights and what can people look forward to in 2016? Yeah, what the delegates know is that the speakers that they're listening to are working as clinicians or practitioners on a daily basis. So effectively, they're not just listening to people who say how it should be done or how, it, how they've read about it being done. They're, listen, they're listening and seeing speakers who basically do it and are sharing what gives them success. And I think that, and then when the delegates leave, they know what they're taking away is they're taking away information and skills that they can put into practice the week after. My brief to all the speakers is, whatever you tell them, give them something that they can take away and use next week. Um, and the feedback that we get from the event is always positive. That that that's how the delegates feel. And I think that the the high return rate we get on an annual basis is probably the best sort of reflection of that. Graham, I'm pleased to be involved in 2016. And who else have you got coming? Well, we're pleased that you're going to be with us again. Um, Don Shelburne is somebody who's obviously highly respected and extremely well known for the work that he's done with ACLs and knees. And um, we're in the final stage of discussion, but Don, Don has, has shown an interest to come back. And, and I think, you know, it's just now a case of sorting out the flights and, and the logistics for it. But uh, but I'm really excited that, that it, you know, everything works out as it should do. Then, then Don will be back with us again sort of next year. Um, and putting a conference together is a bit like baking a cake. You, you, you take the two main ingredients and build the others in and around it. So so it's now there are, it's now just putting in, again, a couple of the other ingredients. And there's, there's one or two people that we are speaking to that I think will be exciting speakers and Graham, we can provide those new names as they come to you through the BJCM website and through the blog and uh, Twitter, BJCM social channels. So it leaves me to finish by saying it's delightful to have the Society of Sports Therapists as one of BJCM's current 19 uh, member societies. Have you had positive feedback from students and um, professionals about that? Extremely positive. I, I, I think as an organisation we, we are very excited to be obviously linked with the British Journal of Sports Medicine um, and I know that it, for the society it, and for its members it, it, it brings some added value and kudos as well. I think for the students it, it's particularly important because it really does help that they don't have to worry whether their own university libraries still basically have, have links. They, they know they've got those links. They can go in and, and, and do what they need to do and they've got the facility to, to go right the way back through the archives. For the members of the society, it also is something that is extremely important for them both to, to realise that their membership organisation is linked really to, to the British Journal of Sports Medicine and that they have access to it um, and that they are part of a global sports medicine family and appreciated as such. Great to chat today, Graham, and let's leave it there for today, but talk again before too long. That will be a pleasure, and uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to come and talk to you, and I look forward to seeing you at Page Performance in, on the 14th of May, if not before.
Thanks for listening to this BJSM podcast, and there are over 200 that you can choose from. And an easy way to access a ton of BJSM material is through the free app, which you can download from our home page. Also, really encourage you to try the different channels like Google+, Twitter, Facebook, see what works for you. And we look forward to your advice as how we can make BJSM better. 